Greetings, Crosspoint Church and friends. This is week two of our great Bible Stories Summer Sermon Series. That's a lot of S's in a row. And didn't my uh, grandson, I guess it's all right to be proud, I hope it's in the right sense, didn't my grandson do a, a great job last week with our opener to our sermon series, Samson's setbacks, some great truths and well presented. I loved his conclusion point that it's never too late. And this is week two, story two. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word now, would you speak to us? We will hear, we will hear and we will obey. Amen. There are many great Bible stories, and some of them are familiar to folk out in the culture thanks to the fact that they made it to the big screen. And I'm thinking of stories like Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. I'm thinking of stories like Noah and the Ark. Great stories, well known. Then there are other great Bible stories, but they're not so well known, like Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah and the big fish, the three Hebrew boys and the fiery furnace. But I want to tell you a story today that I would suggest maybe even some of my colleagues, my pastor friends, might say, who? What story? I don't remember that. And so today we're going to visit the story of Caesarea and the fatal tent pig. Now I'm going to tell you right up front that this, this story is not G-rated. I would have to say PG at least. Parental guidance is suggested and uh, some violence here. Now the story is found in the seventh book of the Bible. That would be the book of Judges. That's where we were last week. We're in the book of Judges, only we were a little later in the book. And Judges, the book of Judges, Judges is simply the story of several judges who real, ruled Israel in those tumultuous days. Tumultuous? Why do I say that? Well, you see, Israel, during the time of the Judges, seemed to go through the same cycle over and over. The Israelites would stray from worshiping God, and God would commit, uh, permit a, a, a foreign king to rule over them. And then they would repent, and God would raise up a judge, a leader, to deliver them. And this cycle went on and on. And Ehud was one of those judges, and that's where our story begins today. The scripture reads, after Ehud's death, the Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera. Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, during those days, there were always one or more prophets in Israel, 
And at this time, Deborah was the prominent prophet. She was also a judge. Now, a prophet, uh, sometimes we think that's someone who foretells the future, but the, the Old Testament prophets were not so much someone who foretold the future, but someone who heard a message from God and passed it on to the people. She called for General Barak. Now, I don't think he's any relation to the Barack that you may recall, former President Barack Obama of the United States. And this is what the Lord, she, and she told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Assemble 10,000 warriors. I will lure Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River, and there I will give you victory over him. Well, when Sisera heard about the advancing army, he mobilized his 900 iron chariots and his infantry and headed out to fight. But Sisera, in his haste, made a fatal error. He made a poor choice. Come back to that in a few minutes, that thought. He left the flat country and moved into the the foothills to fight. And as you might imagine, iron chariots are useless in hilly terrain. They can't maneuver. And so the, and the Israelites were experts in guerrilla warfare. And the result was Caesarea's army was slaughtered. And when Caesarea realized that the battle was lost, he jumped off his chariot and ran for the hills. Caesarea ran to the tent of a woman by the name of Jael, a friendly refuge, uh, or it was a friendly refuge, or so Caesarea thought. And as he approached, things went well. Jael said to him, come in, sir. She recognized him, who he was. And she says to him, don't be afraid. And the exhausted Caesarea went in and lay down, and she gave him milk to drink, and covered him up. Caesarea then says to her, if anyone comes looking for me, say you haven't seen me, okay? And he fell asleep. And the scripture reads, but when Caesarea fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, so he died. Now, I suppose today my sermon title could have been How to Avoid Having a Tent Peg Driven Through Your Head, but I've, I've chosen this main thought. I want to talk to you about making good choices. You see, Caesarea made a whole series of poor choices. He chose poorly and ended up with a tent peg through his head. Life is choices, you know. Eleanor Roosevelt once wrote these words. One's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It is expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die and the choices we make are ultimately our responsibility. Life is choices. We're all faced with small choices and big choices all through life. 
When we're young, what courses will I take in school? What career will I choose? Will I go to college? Which one? Will I marry? Who will I marry? Will I buy a home? Will I take that job? Will I move to this city? What will I, how will I respond if my child rebels? And as life goes on and on, will I retire? When will I retire? Where will I retire? Will I go to a senior's home? Some choices that we make daily are very personal. How shall I respond to that hurt, to that insult, to that injustice? Life is choices. So let's, let's begin our study today about choices by looking at Caesarea's poor choices. He made a whole series of poor choices. And to begin with, I want you to notice that some of his poor choices, they were just bad. Some choices are bad. They're just wrong. They're evil. Early on in the story, we read these words, Caesarea ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Now, ruthless is a bad word. Another translation simply says he was cruel. To be ruthless or cruel, of course, that's a choice. It's a bad choice. It's choosing to deliberately do wrong to some person. It always begins with the way we think. Usually it then progresses to something we say. It's choosing to say something unkind or maybe saying something that should be better left unsaid. Did you know that nothing is always a good thing to say? It is. And then, so it's something we think, something we say, and it does often turn into something we do. Some To slight someone, to ignore someone, to insult someone, that's cruel. So some choices are bad. And then the second thing I would have you notice is that some choices are, they're impulsive. Some choices are made without thinking. When Caesarea heard that General Barak's army was on the move, he could hardly wait to mobilize his troops. He was so sure that his army was superior to the Israeli army, he never stopped to think about the terrain where the battle would be fought. He just made an impulsive decision. Think about this. Impulsion, impulsive decisions are often poor choices. Think on this. Rarely, rarely in life does an important choice come to us and demand an instant decision. So some choices are bad, some are impulsive, and then some choices are just, just unwise. Caesarea, on the run, chooses to seek refuge in the tent of a lady of unknown sympathies. I mean, think about this. Here's a general known for his cruelty, and here he hides in a tent, an Israeli lady's tent, and, and this lady, whose who's, her husband is a great, great, great grandnephew of Moses, and he lays down and sleeps. That's a, that's a bonehead choice. That's a, that's a stupid choice that he made. That's a dumb choice. Unwise is the best word we could put on that. You know what? Most of the 
life choices that we regret, the, the choices that we look back at and say, unwise, not smart, dumb, could have been recognized at the time as unwise if we had slowed down and taken the scriptural path for making good choices. We'll get there in a moment. And then some choices, some choices are just selfish. They're just selfish. Caesarea is commander of an army, and the battle is on, and it's not going well for him and his troops and his chariots. And the first selfish thing he does is he decides to run away. That's a selfish, cowardly choice. Imagine what happened to the morale of his troops when they saw their commander running away from battle. Here's his soldiers heading towards the front, and they see coming back towards them their general heading away from the front. Gotta save my hide choices are always selfish. Gotta save face. Gotta save my reputation. I need to look good. I've gotta look after old number one. Those are always selfish choices. Well, when Caesarea arrived at Jael's tent, another selfish choice, when he says to her, if anyone comes and asks of him here, tell them I'm not. Selfish choices are never all things considered choices. They're always what's best for me choices, selfish. Now for the next few minutes, let's just, let's just look at the way to make good choices. And I want you to notice three things here about making good choices. And the first would be this, listen to God. General Brack, Judge, Judge and Prophet Deborah says to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands. So he's getting his first word from God. Now, now I know in the Old Testament times, God often spoke audibly. He spoke through, in this occasion, a prophet. God often spoke audibly through angels making appearances. He spoke in a cloud. He spoke in a pillar of fire. Once he spoke through a burning bush and once through a donkey. But often we find stories in the Old Testament where God spoke to people audibly. I've met several people in my lifetime who, who told, have told me that they have heard God's voice aloud. They heard God speak aloud. I have not. But I need to tell you this, that that's not the norm. You see, we have a book today that God authored. They didn't back in those days. We have the Holy Spirit who lives in us, nudging us, urging us, impressing us, leading us. They didn't. Oh yes, he still speaks. God still speaks today to those who are listening. Well, it was early in the spring of 1983, I was assistant pastor just down the road from where Cross Point Church is here in Fredericton uh, at Corbett, Corbett Avenue Church. And I had only been there 10 months and things were going very well. 
And, and, and then a little church of 60 people way down in southwest Nova Scotia called and asked me if I would come down to be their pastor. And, and, and I was torn. And as I mentioned, I was there 10 months. And Corbett had paid a lot of money to move me all the way from where I attended seminary in Kentucky. But I had this strong impression that I ought to go. And I needed, I needed a word from God. And then one day, I was reading the book. And my eyes fell on these words. It's in Psalm 139, verse 9. And here's what it says. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. And as I read those words, it's as, as if, it was as if the Father transposed some words in that until to me it read this way. If I settle on the far side of the Bay of Fundy, between here and Nova Scotia there's a bay, the Bay of Fundy, even there your hand will guide me. And it was, now that was only one thing in a series of indications, but it was to me a certain and sure word from God. And I chose to go to Nova Scotia at that time. And it was the right choice. I listened to God. It was a good choice. So to make good choices, listen to God. And here's the second thing you need to do to make a good choice. Consult with other believers. In this chapter, in this story, we read that Deborah sent for General Barak. And then the two of them consulted together as to what they should do about the terrible treatment of the Israeli people under the hands of the Canaanites and this wicked general. Deborah advised, Barak listened. Some people, when faced with a life choice, it's been my experience, some people, when faced with a life choice, do consult. They do consult with other believers, but, but they consult, but their mind is already made up. And so their consulting is more of a search for those who will support them because really in their mind a decision is already made. The young lady sat across from me in my office years ago and she was beaming as she talked. And she told me about the young man that she was seeing and she thought maybe that he was, in her words, I think he's the one, Pastor John. What do you think? Well, I soon discovered that it wasn't my advice that she was looking for. It was my approval. When I, in response to her, what do I think? When I expressed some concerns about the young man who was not a follower of Christ, she burst into tears. Listen to me. To make good choices, you need to consult with believers whose opinion you value, but you need to do it before you've already made up your mind, before you've already come to a conclusion. I find that through the years that many Christians, when it comes to matters of the heart, they find it hard to consult with other believers. 
They've already made up their mind. So, to make wise choices, you need to listen to God. You need to consult with other believers. And then you need to proceed. The word is proceed. Barak listened to God. He consulted with the prophet, prophet Deborah. And then the scripture says he led his 10,000 warriors into battle. My point is simply this. Listen, consult, and then start moving. Don't sit and wait for neon lights in the sky or some cloud formation that you're asking God to make the clouds spell out the words, do it. Proceed. After you've listened to God and consulted with others, start moving. Proceed. Do you understand this? Not even God can steer a parked car. We need to begin to move. Another story from my own decision-making process. 27 years ago, the year was 1993, and I was interviewed for a position as a district superintendent in the, a district in the Wesleyan denomination about a, about a day's travel from here in Fredericton. And I struggled with the decision. I was waffling, and then the, and then the job was offered to me and I made a decision in my mind, I'm going to do it. And then a phone call from a pastor friend. And then a discussion with a board member of the church where I was serving at the time. And then a couple of nights with no peace, an unsettled mind for a day or two, and I knew that I was proceeding in the wrong direction and I reversed my decision. When I look back at that decision all those years ago, 27 years ago, I now realize that I narrowly avoided having a tent peg driven through my head. It would have been, a, it would have been the wrong choice. You can make choices now, and you can look back years from now and say, I chose wisely. I listened. I consulted and I begin to move. Maybe some of you today watching this service online, maybe, maybe you're facing life's most significant decision, the great choice. Will I commit my life to follow Jesus Christ? I need to tell you this day, the greatest decision that I ever made in all of my life is the decision to follow. Jesus Christ. God says, do it. Your believer friends are saying, oh yes, do it. You'll never be sorry. Will you proceed? Will you make that decision? Let me pray for you. Father, it's clear life is choices. Choices lie before us no matter what age or what stage of life. Life is always choices. I want to make good choices. And Father, teach me to hear your voice. Teach me. Lead me to people in my sphere, in my world, my sphere of influence, that, I can, that can come alongside me and give me advice and then give me the courage to begin. 
I pray for those hearing my voice today who have never made the ultimate, greatest choice, life's greatest decision, to follow Jesus Christ. I pray that there be those even this minute that would say, Father, I choose now. I repent of my sins. I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I'll live for you and serve you. I choose Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.